All right, Matthew chapter number 11. Let's go back and revisit this again and look at a couple other passages of Scripture from where we were at this morning. In essence, these passages, Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, Come unto me, all ye that are labor and are heavy laden, that are weary. That word labor means the... the the fact that you're weary from a labor, whatever type, and therefore heavy loaded, you have a burden on you. He says, come unto me and I shall give you rest. We said that word rest means ease, that I shall, I shall ease you. And how he does that is that he serves us. He, he serves us. This is an invitation to that daily lifestyle of coming into that intimate fellowship with the Lord that he serves us as our um, master shepherd, our servant who, who serves us. He did not come to be served, but he came to do what? Serve. And as he wants to serve us. And he, he, he knows that in this world we live in, this world will, will beat you up it's unforgiving, it's tough, it's a challenge, and every day is a, just a new sufficient time of so many distractions, like Matthew 6.33, we talked about this morning. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. Give no thought for, for, for. there's going to be enough distractions that he describes as being evil because they distract you from the main cause, the main purpose of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He says every single day has enough distractions within it. You don't have to worry about what's coming the next day uh, because it's going its, it's to have its own evil distractions in it that's going to try to pull your attention away. You, you, your, your battle, your fight is right now. And the wage or the war you're fighting is whether you're going to seek me and my righteousness or you're going to do things independent of me and therefore torture yourself and worry. Jesus said, I want to, I, I want to serve you. I want to put you at ease. I, I want you to come into my presence where you don't have anything to offer me whatsoever, but I'm going to bless you. I'm going, I'm going to put it on you. I'm going, I'm going to bless you. What can we offer the king? The king has it all. He, he possesses it all. What we do is come in before him. He wants to serve us. He wants us to be in fellowship with him. He wants to abide in him, to be connected to him. And that's where we are going to be able to find that that. Being at ease. It's like going to somebody's house. You know how sometimes that's uncomfortable for us to go to somebody's house and they just tell us, look, just relax. We don't want you to do a thing. You just come. We're going to bless you. We want to serve you. I mean, you, you, we're going to fix your food for you. We're going to take care of your, your dishes. We're going to do all that. All you need to do is just be there. Just sit here and just enjoy and let us, let us bless you. Sometimes that puts you in an uncomfortable position, doesn't it? Because you feel like you got to do. You need to do. You don't want people to do that for you. Well, he's teaching us he wants to serve us. And to serve us, it's not what we can do for him. It's what he's going to be able to do for us that puts us at ease. 
so that we will have rest or refreshing. He wants to refresh us when he serves us, that we have rest in our spirit as we walk with him. So we answer that invitation to intimacy by coming to him, trusting him. We appropriate that yoke that he that he has and that yoke which is easy that is well fitted and it is light that is that it's not something that will weigh you down you can you can accomplish the work and something that we want to recognize in this is remember he's not giving us rest from the work he's actually teaching us how to have rest in the work we have we have a mission part of the yoke is that mission a yoke is a, is, can be a burden, but when it's yoked up to Him and it fits well on us, it's been designed for us. You know, God's given every one of us a, a race to run, a joy to accomplish, the will of God, and it's a good thing. We've been made for it. We have been created in Christ Jesus and shaped and molded and designed for that work. Whatever it is, you have been created in Christ for a specific work for the glory of God. And to walk in that, we have to appropriate that yoke. And we talked about it a little bit when Jesus said in John 14, 31. He said, that the world may know I love my Father and that he has given me commandment, so I do. Now that, that's, a, that's a strong statement. That, that's going to take you a little bit, I don't know about you, but that's going to take you some time, I think, to meditate upon and ponder what he says there. I do what I do so that the world will know who I love and that he has given me a mission to accomplish. He's given me a word to walk in. You've heard me say before, there's nothing happens in the life of the believer without a commandment. The commandment is what authorizes is what gives us power, the authority to do a thing. And you and I can't do a thing that we've been called to do unless there's been a command given from God to do it. It's when we get off in those areas that we don't have authorization in is when our spirits get unsettled and they get, they get disturbed and, they, and then problems start happening from within that's going to manifest outside of us and we get burned out and, and wore out and weary and we get cynical on the journey with the Lord. Why? Because we're in unauthorized territory. We're doing things we ought not be doing. We're, we're, we're connected with things we ought to not be connected with. We just not, we don't have authority to be doing that. And it creates trouble within us by design. God's given us these things to help us and his love toward us. But when we appropriate that same yoke, that we do what we do because we want the world to know. Whether they can know or whether they will know, it is our heart to make him known. It's our heart's desire to make him known. As with Jesus, Jesus said, I do what I do that the world will know that I love my Father and my Father has given me a commandment to accomplish, a mission to walk in. His will for my life, so I do. That, that, that phrase, so I do, some of the translations may not use it that way. The King James says, even so I do. Uh, some of the other ones may not. Throw. What's the ESV say? Somebody's got it in here. What does it say, Karen? John fourteen thirty one. She's going to look it up for us. So I do. 
So I do. I do what I do that the world may know. Yes, yes. Read, read the text again, 1431. Okay, said the same thing. So I do that the world may know. Same idea, just different the way they phrase it. But the principles are the same. So I do. I do what I do that the world may know. That's a good reason to do what you do. Amen. So that they'll know the who I'm in love with. You've heard me say that before. When, when, when people know more about what we're against than who we're in love with is where problems start happening in our life. Amen. When people fail to recognize that we're passionately in love with the Father, with the Lord Jesus Christ, what He's doing in our lives, what He's done for us, and that we're in love with Him... That's the heartbeat of our life. We're going to be against things because of who we serve and what we believe. That's inevitable. That's not going to be taken away. But when that begins to supersede what people know about me as far as whom I'm in love with or what I'm against, when what I'm against stands out more than who I'm in love with, I've gotten things out of order. And that's what Christ was helping us with. That's an easy yoke to bear. You see, when, you, when we become cynical because we let this culture we live in, which is a very cynical world we live in, uh, especially today in the sense that we have so much ready media, imagine 60, 70, 80 years ago, they wouldn't even known that there was tornadoes in the middle of Illinois uh, that happened today. They would have heard about it later on. They would have never heard of those things. Today, everything is spot on. When it happens, you hear about it. When somebody says something that's off the cuff and it gets spread around the world or this one's doing that one, all those things can build this sense of negativity in our life. We can become very cynical. We can, we can just become people who look at things through the wrong set of eyes and we lose a sense of awe and wonder of God. And we're not enraptured with Him. And no matter what Jesus faced, He was always enraptured with His Father and with His love. I do what I do that the world may know that I love my Father and He's given me a commandment. That is saying, I'm going to the cross so that the world may know that I love my Father. I'm going to suffer shame and reproach and misuse and being misunderstood that the world may know that I love my Father and He's given me authority to bear that cross. I'm doing what I'm doing so that the world will know that I love Him. That's a strong statement. To keep that in mind when we're doing what we're doing. That keeps that yoke well fitted and light to bear. Because it's not based on a performance factor. It's based out of passion. It's based out of a love relationship. And not about that which is legal and that which is not legal. It's, it's saying I'm going to do what I do from the foundation of love my love for Him. We're benefactors of that love relationship. Amen? We get to benefit greatly on that. And the world around us is going to benefit from our journey. 
when we bear that yoke as well because we become gentle like he is. He says, then you learn from me. Not just answer that invitation and appropriate that yoke, but also apply what he teaches us as we walk with him in the journey. In essence, we find in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he's telling them to, to wait upon him. That When you wait upon the Lord, it's you trust the Lord. You wait upon him. He's saying, work with me in the sense of let me put this yoke on you so that you can work with me. And then he's teaching them to come walk with me. Learn from me as we work together. He's saying, seek me, surrender to me, submit to me, and then just share what you learned from me. And you'll be a blessing to other people as well. And we said that this rest, this recreational rest that he gives when we learn from him that we have rest in our souls, it's so that we, we do what we do in a sense of being stress-free in a stressful world because we know who we are, we know who we serve in, we know the agenda that he's given us, and we want to make him known so we can go through the trials and the troubles and the difficulties and all that uh, being stress-free. James would say, hey, count it all joy when you what? Why? Because you bear, you bear his yoke. You're learning from the master. You in intimate fellowship with him. You can count it all joy. You can enter into this trouble with being with no stress in it because who you're learning from, who you're tapping into, who's giving you the vision to walk in. Now, what happens to us when we don't have that rest? Well, I think what happens that, that the Lord loves us and he deals with us, he chastens us. We've looked at this before. As Carolyn, she's been wanting to do this Saul syndrome again. She likes going through those books. Uh, look over in uh, 1 Samuel 16. Notice the response of what God does when here's a king who's been operating in an area that is unauthorized. He's governing the nation of Israel, but he's not governing them being submissive and surrendered to the king of Israel. See, he's a king without a king. And when you operate as a king without a king, it's inevitable that you're going to make some choices that don't reflect the character of the king. And when you're making choices that, that doesn't reflect the character of the king, uh, the king is going to do something to reveal your wayward heart. And this is what he does with King Saul. In 1 Samuel 16, beginning in verse number 14, the scripture says, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from King Saul and a distressing or a terrible, troubling spirit from the Lord grieved him, troubled him. You see, that this is the opposite of, of finding that, that peace that we're talking about. You find David, this man that's now anointed by God. Uh, we read in the next couple chapters, in the next chapter when you get David and Goliath, you know the story there when Saul and them were shaking in their boots, wouldn't fight, terrified, afraid. David comes up and says, look, this guys he, he's making a mockery of y'all and he's making a mockery of God, the armies of Israel. 
God's been faithful to me in the past. He's delivered me before from lion and bear. I believe he's going to take care of this guy today. I'll fight him. No, you can't do that. You don't know how to fight this man. He's been fighting all his life. You're just a youth. You can't do that. And, and he says, I believe God's going to give him to me today. I'll stand there and fight him. And Saul gives him the authority to go do it. He, he tries to put his, his armor on him and couldn't figure out that's not going to fit. It didn't work. David throws it off, goes and gets five stones out of the brook, takes it out there, tells that on. Matter of fact, uh, Goliath tries to deter him. And David said, no, God's going to give me your head on this day. And the scripture says David ran toward him ran toward him, slew him, won the victory. But the point is, is the difference in this, in this David who had the peace of God upon him, who was at peace with God, who had the peace of God working in and through him. We see somebody who is confident. We see somebody who is steadfast. We see somebody who's at peace and never even wavered one moment at one time to do what he had been anointed to do because of the presence of God upon his life. And when God removes that off of us and gives us a, a grieved, troubling, terrified, distressing spirit, it's a manifestation that our eyes have been taken off. We, we're not looking to the Lord. We're not in fellowship with him. So we don't have that ease. He's not serving us how we need to be served by him we're not bearing that yoke, nor are we learning from him. We operate independent of him. And God will trouble our spirit out of his love to reveal. Uh, we're taking our eye off of him and we've let something distract us. And now we, we're, we're troubled in spirit. There's great passages. We've covered some of these. What God wants to do when he serves us is satisfy us satiate us, the scripture says. Look at Jeremiah. Let's look at a couple passages of scripture. Look in Jeremiah 31. In these passages, he refers to this twice, what he's going to do. Even when Jeremiah, they contemplating this judgment coming. Look in verse number 14. Of Jeremiah 31. God says, I will satiate. It means to fill with excess. The picture is, I will abundantly water. That's what satiate means, to abundantly with excessive water. I will satiate the soul of the priest with an abundance. And my people shall be satisfied with goodness, says the Lord. That's part of that, that serving that God gives to us when he saturates us with, with abundance of water to relieve us and satisfy us with a thirst and a hunger for him. Look in verse number 25 of the same chapter. He speaks of it that I have... He says, for I have satiated the what? The, the weary soul. And I have replenished every sorrowful soul. That, that's that idea of serving, of what he wants to do. When we're weary, he wants to serve us. He wants us to, 
to be satiated with an abundance of water. He wants to, uh, to, to, to fill our cup to overflowing. When you think about that, every creature that lives, everything that, that lives needs to be watered, right? But not every creature that lives needs to be spiritually watered. But you do. And I do. And this is what he's referring to. He's referring to the spiritual satiation of watering his, his flock, his people. Look over in um, Jeremiah, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 44. I believe he talks about it. This is how he serves us with peace. While the scripture says the generous soul shall be made fat. And he who waters shall be watered himself. You see, when God satiates us, he satiates us to, to satiate other people, to water us, to water others. Where did I say Isaiah 44? Look about verse number 5, I believe. Actually, verse number 3. Verse number three. For I will pour water on him who is what? Thirsty. What's Matthew 5, 6 say? Blessed are they which hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? God wants to satiate you and me. He wants to serve us. He wants to pour living water upon us. Just how thirsty am I for it, you know. He says, I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. They will spring up among the grass like willows by the watercourses. Once will say, one will say, I am the Lord's and another will call himself by the name of Jacob and another will write, with his hand, the Lord's, belonging to the Lord's, and the name himself by the name of Israel. That's just saying when God waters us, we get enraptured with him. And like it was when you was a high school uh, girl and, and uh, you had a sweetheart in high school. You know how you used to write their name? I still catch old Miss Holden every once in a while writing my name in a journal or writing on the, on the bullet. She'll say, Stephanie loves Nikki. See, I see her doing it all the time. You know what I'm talking about. You know, when you, you write those things, you, 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 that's what your mind's on. You don't just write it because um, you just was just writing. That's what you was thinking about. Now, you like writing that, saying that. He's saying that I'll saturate you to the point that you can't help. Your mind is going to be enraptured with me, and you can't help yourself but claim, I belong to the Lord. I'm the Lord's. I belong to the God of Israel, the God of Jacob. I'm the one who belongs to Jesus. Jesus is enough for me, amen? Because he satiated you with living water. He satisfied you because he's serving you because you came to him. You saw him and he's pouring it out on you. To him be the glory. Uh, look in Psalm 1. Uh, 19. Well, uh, we close. We're still in Isaiah. Look at Isaiah 26. You know, I don't think we can cover, we can talk about this passage every time we gather together and it won't be enough. Why do we often forget it? As much as we cover it, 
and talk about it, how easy do we bypass it? You don't even have to turn to it, and I just start it, you're going to be able to finish it. Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep him in what? Perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee because what? He trusts thee. You see, when we trust the Lord, we come to the Lord. God saturates us that that our minds just get caught up into Him. And that word peace, remember what I said, it means sound, it's whole, it's not torn apart, it's focused in. That that we're so caught up in the service of the Lord over our lives, He's got us in peace. Those other things that were tormenting our mind, they don't even come to mind. Why? Because who, who, who is satiating us with, with living water? He's feeding us. Those worries go away. We, we, they get put in perspective when we hear it from Him and what he's, what he's doing. And we realize that He's more than able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. Amen? He's able to do that. He's enough. And we get caught up in Him. Look in Psalm 119. I think it's 165. I love this thought. These are just helpful tools of these principles that, that keep us in the thought process of um, what happens when we are being saturated by God, when He's serving us. Look at 165. Great peace have those who what? Love thy law. What Psalm 1 say? Blessed is the man that walks not, nor stands in the path with sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in what? And in his law he will... He is going to be like a tree planted by... We've got waters there. He's going to satiate you. He's got, you've got to have water to be doing what, what God called us to do. That's why he pours out water upon us. That's why he saturates us with water. That's how we get enraptured with him. We've got to be a well-watered tree, a well-watered plant in the Lord. And when we're in that place, it's because we have a love of the law. We have a love. And the law speaking of God's whole word. It's not talking about the Ten Commandments in particular. It's just saying we in love with God's principles. We in love the way God does things. We love who He is, what He does, why He does it. And He says that when we're there, we should have great peace. And I like this, the, the, the other part of this verse. And nothing causes them to what? Yeah, to get get in, entangled with, with things that 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 so easily get a hold of us when we're being saturated by Him and nothing causes them uh, to stumble, to be offended. We're not easily offended when we are enraptured with the Lord because He gives us great peace. Amen? Amen. Great peace. That's something that people can see in us sometimes where you might have done something and Right. Through you, through you to those, you know, 
he'll bless and he'll use that. Yes, and, and that's just part of being saturated. That's part of him serving us. Come unto me, all ye that are weary. And if we were to couple some of these passages together, come unto me, all ye that are weary, and I will satiate you with water. I'll pour my water on you, and I'll give you, I'll put you at ease in my presence. I'll serve you well. I'll water you good. Amen. To him be the glory. Look in uh, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, I believe it is. Maybe 3.15. If it's not, we'll find it. I want to say it is. Does 3.15 talk about peace? Let the peace of Christ, let it, let it reign or rule. How does it say? And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. The word rule there means to, to arbitrate. Let the peace of God be an arbitrator. You've, you probably got it written in your Bible. You probably got whistleblower by that. So we talked about it before. Let the peace of God be the whistleblower in your life. You see, when, when, when we take our eye off the Lord and start acting independent in Him, we become easily offended. We get unsettled. We're disturbed in our spirit. We become weary, laden with burdens. And he says the whole while, the absence of peace, peace itself blows the whistle in your life to reveal that something ain't right. You're not seeking the Lord first. You're not submissive to Him. You're doing things on your own, and peace is saying, wait a minute, you're breaking, you're breaking some principles that God has given us when He says, come unto Him. Take His yoke. Learn from Him. Seek Him first. Trust Him and lean not upon your own understanding. You know, all these verses are saying the exact same thing. They're just saying it from different angles. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not upon. Acknowledge Him in all thy ways and He'll what? Look, you could write that right across Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. It's saying the exact same thing that Jesus says in Matthew 11. Come unto me. Trust me. Don't lean on your own understanding. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Acknowledge me. Get my word on the thing as you walk with me and do what we want to do. And the whole while, I'll direct your path, but I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to serve you while you're doing it. That's what he's saying. The principles are the same. 
Old New Testament, it still, it still works the same. And when we're not trusting God, peace is not at work in us. It's blowing the whistle. Something's not right. Something's out of order. Something's missing here. And it's not that we're not doing something. It's the fact that we are failing to seek someone. And peace is blowing the whistle. Simply saying, you're not trusting. Not trusting the Lord. Because when we trust him, as Isaiah 32, 17 says, remember the work of righteousness is peace. And the service or the effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance. That means a settled, steadfast confidence that gets us to the place of, of peace, wholeness, of doing what God has called us to do. And when that's not there, peace blows the whistle and says, wait a minute, there's an infraction. You're looking to your circumstances. You're looking to yourself. And the evidence of that is the lack of peace, being easily offended, stumbling, being weary, being heavy laden and burdened and not the blessing that he's called us to be. Amen? Now the neat thing about it, he can reverse all that with just, with just crying out and saying, help me, Lord. Get my eye back. Help me, Lord. Grant me repentance, oh God. Let me look to you. I want to trust you. I need your help. I want to take your yoke upon me. I want to appropriate it and I want to apply your ways in my life. I want to get back to the place that I do what I do so others will know who I love and that you've given me a word to walk in. Amen? Paul said it good in Acts chapter 20 when he says, look, none of these things move me that, that, I, that I may finish the race that I've been given and the ministry that he's given me to, to the gospel. Just don't move. I don't count my life dear to myself that I may finish the race that I've been given. Amen? Because if I, if I let that get to me, I'm going to get discouraged. And if I get discouraged, I'm going to get off the course. Nothing wrong with, with, with being burdened when that burden is not balanced out with the blessing of a, of a word from the Lord that you're walking in is when it becomes a challenge to keep going. And it's so easy to get moved off course. And the picture of that is, is Christ. That's why he says, learn from me. Turn to Isaiah 42 before we go. Isaiah 42. He's our example. He's our, 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 the one we learned from. We looked at Hebrews 12 this morning where it says, look, gaze on Jesus and then consider, measure his journey. Not necessarily in the sense that we measure our lives right next to his, but consider the fact what he endured and went through and, and how he lived to accomplish what he did and how he was able to endure what he endured. Why was he able to do that? Measure that up. Look at that and then evaluate your life if, if you're living that way. And if you're not, that's why you're weary and you're discouraged and you get moved off course. But Isaiah 42 helps us see the, the, the fact that when we do become discouraged, we, we, we start to miss things. Look in verse number, well, I'll just start in verse number one. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him. 
And he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. Why did he do it? Because he wanted the world to know that he loved his father and his father gave him a mission. Verse 2, he will not cry out nor raise his voice nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoking flax he will not quench. I believe that was mentioned in our Matthew reading, wasn't it? And he says, verse, verse number 3, a bruised reed he will not break, a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail. Nor be what? He will not fail to accomplish what the Father had given him and he won't be discouraged. That is, he's not going to get moved off course. That's the word discouraged. That's what he's saying. He's not going to get moved off the course. He's going to finish the course. Till he's established justice in the earth and the coastland shall wait for his law. That's to be moved off purpose. Just think of it that way. He will not be discouraged. He will not be moved off purpose. Consider Jesus who endured the shame for the joy that was set before him. Amen? Learn from me, he says. Learn from me. For I am meek, I am gentle, and I am lowly in heart. So we seek him, we surrender to him, we submit to his teaching, and we just share what he's teaching us with others. It's what he did. That's what we'll do when we yoke together with him. Amen? Amen. To him be the Lord. Anybody want to add anything? Say anything. Share anything. Let peace rule in your heart. When it's not there, something's going on. Amen? Amen. Well, to God be the glory. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and just want to just bless you. Help us. Give us wisdom. Teach us. Lead us, and we're thankful for the invitation to come unto you. Thankful for the course you've given each one of us to run. May we stay on purpose. May you help us with the distractions from day to day. Continue to lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all have a good night.